And thank you all for worshiping and giving to our church. If you have a Bible, we're going to be opening up to Psalm 100 today, probably one that you're pretty familiar with, especially in this season. Uh, We're going to open up to Psalm 100 and read uh, a short song that was uh, uh, dedicated to the Lord a long, long time ago. Uh, If you would like to put a bookmark, I encourage you to in 1 Chronicles 29. That's 1 Chronicles 29, not too far back from the book of Psalms. We'll be closing our time together uh, around that text. So Psalm 100 will be our opening read. And if you found your place there, uh, you've probably noticed that the psalm has a heading. Uh, This is a psalm of thanksgiving. So again, appropriate for the season and for the week. Scripture says, make a joyful shout or noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. You know, Thanksgiving's obviously on our minds this week as uh, Thursday, uh, as this Thursday, our country will set aside an entire day uh, all about giving thanks. Celebrations will take place from main streets of cities across the nation to living rooms and dining rooms of hundreds of thousands of homes, uh, from churches to soup kitchens, football stadiums to leaf-covered backyards. The scenes on the fourth Thursday of November are as recognizable as any major holiday or festival around the world. Uh, For most of us, Thanksgiving is a day where time stands still. In a world where everything is always changing, uh, Thanksgiving is one of the few days of the year where tradition and rituals uh, remain a constant. You can compare your life to any previous year and things look so different from year to year, decade to decade, but pull up a Thanksgiving photograph from 1983 or 2003 and it won't look that different than Thanksgiving in 2020. 23. And yeah, everybody ages, uh, every scenery changes, homes look different, but the basic concept of gathering together with family and friends is one of the most unchanging things in our world today. While there's nothing uh, wrong with that, it, it does beg the question, what is Thanksgiving Day really all about? Uh, as a concept, it, it begs the question, what is Thanksgiving? What is Thanksgiving really all about it. In many cases, holidays become such a point of comfort for us that we often lose the plot as to what they're actually about, and they become much more uh, about the things that we have contributed to them, the traditions that we've established, and the rituals that we are so used to doing. Uh, Again, it's good to spend time in gatherings uh, like these to hold up Thanksgiving to the light and consider the questions. What is Thanksgiving all about? Who, if there is a who, who is Thanksgiving all about. You know, growing up, uh, growing up, my actions would suggest that I thought Thanksgiving was all about me. Maybe you're not as conceited as me, but I, I, growing up, Thanksgiving was all about me. I wanted to maintain numerous traditions. All I could think about was who I wanted to see, what I wanted to eat, what I wanted to do. And it would be very, very, very annoying to me if things did not go according to the way I would like them to go. Actually giving thanks, that wasn't really close to my mind at all, if I'm being honest. Much like Christmas and any other annual gathering or celebration, Thanksgiving was a day that I expected to serve my interests 
Rarely did I ever consider what its purpose was. Now, of course, Thanksgiving as an American holiday does not demand any particular response from us. We can certainly do whatever we want to do with it. Nobody can be the judge of how we honor a day uh, that is, you know, given an arbitrary intent. Uh, uh, However, however, for Christians, for believers, Thanksgiving takes on a much more serious and important meaning. Thanksgiving is a concept, it's an idea that the Bible talks about from front to back. While definitely not meant to be contained or confined to a single day, by all means, if there is a day that we call Thanksgiving and we set it apart as a day to honor and celebrate, then we ought to use the platform afforded to us and listen to what the scriptures instruct us therein. So what is Thanksgiving? What is Thanksgiving all about? Who is Thanksgiving all about. Well, by all means, if it's not obvious, it's not a day of upholding traditions as heartwarming as those things are. It's not a day or a concept meant to make us nostalgic. And as much as we have, I have so many memories and I love recreating those memories year to year. It's more than the meal. It's more than the gatherings. It's more than the leaves. It's more than the parades. It's about a posture of our heart. Because Thanksgiving, after all, is about giving thanks. Of course, we know this. We know this. The Bible leads us in giving thanks, not just for what we have because of this or that that we have, but the Bible leads us in giving thanks to God. None of this is news to us, but it's important to hear it sometimes because sometimes we take it for granted or we become numb to this. We are instructed to give thanks to God regardless of circumstances, detached from how we feel. That's a tough one. The Bible reminds us that we should give thanks to God simply because he deserves it. Psalm 100 is not a suggestion. It's not a template only meant to be adhered to on sunny days in environments that we have carefully constructed according to our own interests and preferences. Psalm 100 is a command. As much a a command as anything as Moses ever wrote. As much a command as anything that came out of the mouth of Jesus Psalm 100 commands us to praise the Lord, honor the Lord. Now, I know how well you do when someone tells you you have to do something. It's about as well as I do when someone tells me that I have to do something, especially when I don't feel like doing it. But the Bible commands us, Psalm 100 commands us to publicly and boldly give thanks to God out of an overflow of of recognizing who he is and who we are before him. When we think of praising God, when you think of worshiping God, is this what's on your mind? Unfortunately, most of us, if we're being honest, what comes to our minds is how we feel, what we want, what makes us feel good. How is it? How is it that a, that a concept, how is it that we have taken a concept that is meant to be all about God and made it all about us? How did this happen? Worship, thanksgiving, praising God is reduced time and time again to what we like when it should be always about what uplifts and exalts God. And that way we've turned worship, even Sundays and Wednesdays and the likes, into just another holiday. It's more about suiting us than it is about honoring God. But what does Psalm 100 tell us again and again and again? Look, look, look at the text with me. In verse number two, it says, come into his presence. Verse number three, he is God. He who made us, we are his people. 
Verse 4 says it's his gates. It's his courts. Verse 5 says it's his mercy. It's his love. It's his faithfulness. It's his truth. Do you get the idea? That it's his presence. We are his people. His gates. His courts. His names. His love. His faithfulness. When we consider when considering what we and what I needed to hear regarding Thanksgiving, when the scriptures, uh, when turning to the scriptures to rightly align our hearts this week, Psalm 100 could not have been any louder to me. I read this psalm every year around this time. We all read it every year around this time, probably more than that. We see it on social media. We see it all across uh, in our churches. And, and as reading it this year, it dawned on me. It dawned on me. I make Thanksgiving all about me. I make worship all about me. Just like I want to eat certain foods on Thursday and I want to see certain people and I want to do things my way, when it comes to worshiping the Lord, I no more consider what God wants before I make it all about what I want. It's a shame. That the church today is more divided about what kinds of services make us feel good when we don't ever stop and consider what kind of service makes God feel good. You know, there are countless examples in the scripture where God actually sends a prophet to the temple to silence their worship because he was not being honored by it. The prophet Amos says, take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen Oh, their services were lively, but God could see through them. Jesus, to his generation, preached something similar. These people honor me with their lip, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, their commandments, or the traditions of men. How could there be such a disconnect between what they were expressing and what they were possessing? It turned out what they were expressing was motivated and dedicated to their own selves and not about God at all. Satan is a master class at turning something meant for God into something that doesn't even consider him. Like in the days of Amos, like in the days of Jesus, our culture today is no different. We do everything based on how it makes us feel and makes us feel best. But when is the last time we stopped and considered what will honor God? Psalm 100 offers us a few thoughts to ponder that will certainly help us find clarity. Here's what we learn very quickly in Psalm 100. Worship, thanksgiving, is not a feeling that is worked up. It's a predetermined attitude. It's not an emotion. It is a decision. How does the psalm open in verse 1? Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Individually, we are commanded to sing joyfully. Where does that joy come from? It comes from within us. Our worship, here's the first thing we learn. Our worship is not a reaction to someone else's lead. It's a response to God's rule over our lives. And this is bigger than just what we do on Sundays. It's about day to day. Let me ask you a question. Do you only offer God praise when the day makes you feel good? Or do you choose to praise God no matter how the day goes? What does Psalm 100 verse 1 command us? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. What if I don't feel like making a joyful noise to the Lord? What does the verse say? Does the verse change? Absolutely not. The difference is if we consider who God is and who we are, then we will find a reason to give him thanks no matter if we feel like doing it or not. 
This is a line I've stood by as a pastor for years, and, and I know that it's not, I know that it doesn't always fit in with what we, how we feel, of course, it's, it's against feelings. You say, Justin, this is just not how the average person works. And if you're saying that I should find joy in me to praise God no matter how the day goes or what the other elements are making me feel like, then you're asking a whole lot. And let me be very clear, I am not asking this. The Bible is commanding this for your own good. And it could be our hearts are wired by all the wrong commands if it isn't something that we've ever considered it says to us, make a, shout, a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Not shout to the Lord because, you are, uh, because someone makes you feel joyful. Not serve the Lord if you are made to feel glad. It's giving us these very cut and dry commands. And again, I know that flies in the face of how we operate as people. But verse 3 offers us the solution. Verse 3 gives us the answer to how we can overcome whether we feel it or not or circumstances allow for it or not or are conducive to it or not. Verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. You know why we don't praise God when the day does not make us feel good? Because we are not being driven by what we know. We're being driven by how we feel. Can anybody relate to that? You know why we don't praise God when it's not a good day? You know why we don't praise God when we don't feel like it? Because our, our, our minds are not on what we know to be true. What we all need is to know that the Lord is God. He's made us and that we are his emphasis on know, not feel. There are plenty of ways to feel good in this world, all of which wear off in due time. What we need is not the right feeling, it's the right knowledge. Don't you see the difference? This is consistently the message of the Bible. It's why the Bible instructs us again and again and again. Walk by faith, not by sight, because your eyes will deceive you and your flesh will betray you. But your faith can be rock solid. I know very well this isn't the popular sentiment in today's world, even in today's church, but if we are going to be a people who are truly thankful, who offer authentic thanksgiving, we've got to cut loose from this idea that gratitude and thankfulness are feelings because they are not feelings. They are not. Psalm 100 couches our praise, not in how we feel, but again, in us knowing that the Lord is God and that we are his people. Do you see that? This, this is probably one of the most difficult things for us to ever get, to get, to grips, get grips on. Because we as a people are wired by our flesh. We're wired by our emotions. We are sensitive to how we feel more than anything else. And if you want to know why the Bible comes at us with this message again and again and again, because we need to hear it so badly. Our faith is on the line. Our faith is at jeopardy if we go by how we feel and by what we see. When you were younger, what is one of the earliest things that you ever learned from your parents? What is one of the things that your parents repeated to you again and again and again? You probably don't even remember the first time they told you this because you were incoherent with, with your current mind. Our parents teach us something again and again and again as kids when we're on the receiving end of something kind or something gracious. What is it? Say thank you. You tell your kids this. You tell your grandkids this. You were taught this early and often. 
Why is it that our parents have to teach us to say thank you? Because they know that thankfulness would never come naturally to any of us. It would never be produced by good feelings. You know what that little, that thing that we all do and that thing that we all learn, you know what that reveals to us about our nature and what it reveals to us about thankfulness? Thankfulness is a learned behavior. Thankfulness is a learned behavior based on knowledge of why we should be thankful and who we should be thankful towards. All of us can remember being told, really being taught to say thank you to someone at some point or another. Most likely we can recall being told that when we forgot to say it. There was probably some point in time where we didn't have to be reminded anymore because we had finally began to say at the appropriate time. This might be one of the most telling things about human nature. This might be one of the most common, one of the common denominators that, that, that shows us that we all share a nature. Every one of us, if we are not taught to do this one thing, our entire disposition, our entire posture hangs in the balance of this. This is why no matter what a parent's religion is, morals are, values are, every parent knows that it's so essential to impart and teach their child because the concept goes along with how crucial, goes along so crucially with how that child will end up perceiving and understanding life. The short of it is, if we are not taught to say things, we won't. If we aren't taught to be thankful, we won't be. As we get older, we might, we might think this is not a true statement. We may think, no, 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 no. I feel thankful. I feel grateful. From that line of thought, the reason we aren't thankful in some cases is because we don't feel like it. See, as we grow older, we, we associate saying thanks with feeling something. And after a while, we begin to think, well, thankfulness and gratitude, those things are, those are feelings. And if I don't feel thankful, it's because somebody didn't make me feel good. But you still had to be taught to say thanks to the person who got you that present long ago. You see, over time, we begin to associate feeling good about the gift with feeling good towards the giver, feeling grateful towards the giver. So now what we think is a thankful feeling is really just our feeling good about whatever happened. I make this distinction for this reason. Thankful and grateful are not natural reactions to feeling feeling reactions or feelings to good things. They are decisive, learned responses. Thankful and grateful are choices we make, expressions we choose to exhibit. We have never and will never feel them naturally. They are always a posture we choose to take and responses we choose to make that then can become internal. This understanding of what thanksgiving and gratitude are all about has the potential to change how we perceive every situation and season we face, especially the bad ones. Again, let's think about it. it we, we, we are taught as children to give thanks so that we might show respect to the giver and gain perspective in our receiving, our owning, and our using. By learning to be thankful, we are protected from becoming entitled and conceited. That's the reason. That's the reason why we're told to say thank you. They say thank you. Be thankful because if we are not taught that and if we do not do that, we will become entitled as in we expect the universe to revolve around us. We expect it to give us what we need when we want it. We become conceited intending to only consider ourselves when we possess with what we possess and hold in our hands. Our nature is so that we, if we don't learn to be thankful, we will become entitled and become conceited which results in everything being understood as a commodity, as disposable. The way of living is not sustainable. Because here's what happens. 
If we become entitled and conceited, eventually we will become miserable people. Not to mention miserable to be around. If we become entitled and conceited, we eventually become very frustrated with how the world works. And that's why it's so important on those occasions when we can be thankful that we are thankful. That's why it's so important to say it out loud even when we don't feel like saying it. Saying thank you is more than just being polite. Saying thank you can actually be life-saving because on those opportunities to purge that entitlement and that conceit and within us, we are informing our heart and protecting our minds from misinterpreting things that were done for us. Thankfulness saves us from the misery that lies at the end of entitledness and conceitedness. It causes us to pause and appreciate where a gift comes from and even better, why the gift came to us of all people. Saying thank you is more than just an expression. It's a transformation from self-centeredness to self-awareness. Awareness of how we relate to the others and fit into a larger world that doesn't always revolve around us. We, who knew? Who knew two, world, two words, two words could have such an impact on our hearts and minds? Thank you. Saying that and meaning it. But they absolutely do. We've really just scratched the surface because when we zoom out and consider faith in our relationship with God, this becomes even more serious and more important to get right. Thanksgiving as a holiday that has been celebrated in our country since the earliest of days, the very fact that there is a day set aside to instruct and encourage giving thanks on a national level only further adds to the idea that thankfulness is a learned behavior. The leaders of our country instituted this holiday because they were doing what every parent does to their small children. This holiday looks at us and it asks the question, have you said thank you lately? Not just with reference to our family and neighbors and leaders, but the holiday was particularly established to call the nation to a place of thanksgiving before God, to a place of praise and worship. And, 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 and this is so, so relevant to the church today, not just this week, but every week in and week out because it informs us on how to get worship right it informs us how to get the most out of our church services. Many, many churches have lost the plot when it comes to understanding what it, is, what it is that we even do on any given Sunday. Psalm 100 is a sobering reminder, even a revelation about what true worship is, about the heart of worship. Psalm 100 tells us that worship is and should be and always will be our response to who God is and what he means to us. Again, it says, know the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is why God gave the command to King David for there to be a dedicated house of worship. Not because the people needed a place to convince them that God was worthy of praise, but because people needed to be in the habit of worshiping God in a public and heartfelt way. God's word to David in 1 Chronicles 22 was to set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. So there's two sides of this coin as to why the house was built. Primarily, it was to make God known. 
It was to remove any speculation in our own fluctuation about understanding God from our feelings that often go this way or that way. It was to exclaim the truth about God so that the people may exalt him no matter what and be able to point to a constant reminder of who God is and that we are his people no matter what else changes or doesn't. And therein is the other side of the coin. The temple was meant to tether our hearts to the habit of worship, to establish worship as the constant in the community. At any given service, there were tons of rituals that took place, mostly involving sacrifice, making it clear that true worship is about pouring ourselves out. No one went to the temple to have their faith salvaged or supercharged. They went because they knew who God was and they needed to express it. We, we, only, we only know of one song that they ever sang in the temple. The book of Psalms is a book of poems and a book of, uh, of, of, of lyrical uh, uh, passages, but we know of one song in particular that they sang because every time we ever see them singing in the Bible, they're singing this particular song. You can flip over if you would like to to Psalm 136 just to get a peek of this psalm. You've heard it before, and if you've ever read the Old Testament, you've probably seen this psalm throughout the rest of the Bible, throughout the books of Kings and Chronicles, because this is the song that they are always singing. If you don't like repetition, i got bad news for you. But this song was not written by a committee. It, was written to suit, it wasn't written to suit anyone's tastes. Psalm 136 was written to capture the nature of God and distill the nature of people. Just a glance at the psalm. You've read it before. You've heard it before. What does it say? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. And how many times can we read that line from verse 1 to verse 26? Again and again and again and again. Give thanks to the Lord. His mercy endures forever. So what is the reminder here? You may not feel like worshiping every day. You may not feel a connection to God every single day, but the good news is his mercy towards you and his love for you endures forever. Your faith may not feel like it can endure much. You may not feel like the, the same today as you did yesterday. You may wonder, you know, what is going on, but the confidence we can have in God, you can know that he is the Lord and that his mercy endures forever. This song, we find singing at festivals and services, it's very simple, and that's the point. Throughout the generations, they would sing this song because it grounded their praise in the immutable, unchanging truth of God to inst instilled an enduring faith in the people. Now, I'm not saying they didn't enjoy singing this song, but, the, but guess what? Their capacity to enjoy singing this song had nothing to do with whether they liked it or not. It had everything to do with their predetermined decision to sing a joyful noise to the Lord. From the earliest days of the temple ceremonies, we get a glimpse of how, ju just how the people looked forward to worshiping and how they responded to it. And if you would turn with me as we wrap up to 1 Chronicles 29. This is the first corporate gathering of the people of God. Before the temple was built, they were on the ground where the temple was going to be built. David was laying the groundwork for his son to build this house. First Chronicles 29 is really the, the dedication of the property that David had bought for this purpose. 
And I want you to just notice, I want you to notice what stands out about their posture at this scene on this day. Jumping in to verse number five of chapter 29, notice that last sentence. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Do you know how they open the service? Who out there is willing to stand up and commit themselves to God? Who out there is willing, and, and, and they're asking for material to be donated, but this is bigger than just material. This is about the hearts of the people. Who out there is willing to walk into this place? Who out there has a predetermined attitude, a premeditated decision? Look down at verse 9. The people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly because of a loyal heart. They had offered willingly to the Lord. There are two types of people that attend on any given Sunday. And this is bigger than church. This is about life. There are two types of people on any given day. People that wait for the day to make them feel like praising God and people that wake up and make a conscious decision to praise God no matter what. What, what did Psalm 100 say? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts. You know what the, the key word there? Enter. As in, you have already made your mind up. I'm going to enter into this day with thanksgiving. I know this is not how the world works. We wait for someone to make us feel like having a good day. And I get there's a lot of things that challenge all of us mentally and emotionally at any given day, at any given time. But that does not change the scripture. And that does not change what's true about every single one of us and our potential to be in the right place, the right heart with the Lord. Enter into his gates. Come in with a heart prepared. What does it say? The people rejoice for they offered willingly. God forbid I anchor or any church anchors your faith in how you feel on Sundays because when you don't feel like it on Monday through Saturday, it'll be catastrophic for your faith. You hear that? God forbid any preacher or any church Anchor your faith to how you feel on Sunday because it would be catastrophic for you on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday when you don't feel anywhere close to God. Such might explain why we have mega churches filled to the brim in today's world, yet we have a generation that is so uncertain and unsure about their faith. We are so sensitive to all the wrong things. And that's why for many of us, Thanksgiving Day will only be as successful as if it goes according to plans. Brothers and sisters, Thanksgiving does not have to be contingent on how you feel. Being thankful and grateful and hopeful every single day does not have to be dependent on how you feel. Christianity is so much better than that. There is freedom in this truth if we just embrace it, if we will know that the Lord is God. First John writes, uh, John writes to us, I write these things that you may believe in the son, name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the kind of knowledge that Job confessed he had when Job lost everything. Do you know the story? Job was having a party for his family. It was one of, their kids, one of his kids' birthdays. Let's say it was Thanksgiving Day. All of his kids were going to be there, their families, their, his grandkids, his great-grandkids. It was going to be a great celebration. But you know the story. Job lost everything that day. He lost his money. He lost his property. He lost his possessions. And worse than all, he lost his family. But how did the story end with Job? 
Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Say, Job, 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 God didn't do that. The devil did it. Job, God's going to give it all back to you. But Job says, I'm not going to wait for all that. I'm not going to wait to understand this. I'm not going to wait to get it all back to praise God. It's the worst day of my life. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you think Job felt like saying that? Do you think Job was encouraged by somebody? Job had the worst response from people. People were beating him up and judging him. And in all of that, Job did not sin. Job did not profane God. Job worshiped the Lord. I want you to hear the words of King David as he dedicated the ground where the temple would be built. Verses 10 through 14. David blessed the Lord before the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and is in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all of us. In your hand is the power and might. In your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Here's the key turn of, 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 of the message. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given to you. We are aliens and pilgrims before you and we, as were our fathers, our days on earth are as, as shadow and without hope. Do you, do you see verse 14? Does it stand out as much as it does to me to you? Who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? It all came from you and it all was given to us so that we might give it back to you. This should be the question that dominates our minds every single day, every single Sunday, every single moment on Thanksgiving Day. Who are we that we should have such a role in this incredible story. Down in verse 20, David says to the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly have blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. Now that might be a little bit dry according to what we would prefer. But David gave them a command. Bless the Lord. And what did they do? They bowed their heads. They prostrated themselves on the floor, on the dirt floor of the Temple Mount. And they praised the Lord. We, will, we gather waiting on the blessing to come to us, but the reality is true blessing is locked away within us. It's all about choices that we make, a decision that we make, our response to who God is to us. So today and every day, especially this week, would you spend time reminding yourself about who God is and who you are to him? Maybe just maybe if our hearts were so tethered to the truth about God, then we would be able to withstand and endure the many attempts to detach us from his presence and promises that our feelings throw at us. Listen, I get a lot of you, you're going through things that I don't blame you for not feeling like it. Some of us were just, were just spoiled 
and we should feel like it, but we don't because we're used to the world doing what we want it to do. But some of you, listen, some of you, I don't blame you for not feeling it. My heart breaks for you based on what you're having to dig through and sort through on any given day. But the Bible still comes at all of us and says, if you want to get the most out of this day, if you want to break free from how feelings have made you, uh, have contained you and confound you, if you want to get a hold of the blessing that God has for you, it starts by understanding that he is God, you are his. And if that is true, if that is true and nothing will change it, if his mercy endures forever towards you, no matter what else does not feel right, there is a blessing you can take hold of. If you just begin to worship God based on that nugget of truth, he is God and I am his. I'm gonna bless his name. I'm gonna enter into this day. I'm gonna enter into this week. I'm gonna walk into this doctor's office. I'm gonna walk into this treatment center. I'm gonna walk into church on Sunday. I'm gonna open my bank statement that has nothing good to say to me. I'm going to go into this job that I am not the most enthused about. I'm gonna enter into this living room when I don't know what might happen. I'm gonna enter into this place with thanksgiving. Because no matter what else, is true. Nothing will ever be more true than who God is and who I am to him. This is the true message and purpose of thanksgiving. That we might bow our heads, lift our voices and say to God from the bottom of our heart, you are the Lord. All the honor and glory belongs to you. Thank you for life. I surrender all to you. Can I give you a little bit of a, of, of, of a encouragement? Every single day when you get out of bed, say those words. Read Psalm 100. Put it in your own words. You are the Lord. It all is from you and for you. Thank you for my life. Say it on the days that you feel like saying it, especially say it on the days that you don't feel like saying it because that's how you get free. And that's how you take hold of the blessing of thanksgiving. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for showing us your glory and showing us your goodness. Lord, in spite of whenever we don't feel good and when we don't feel the best and when things don't go the best, Lord, you are still God and we are still yours. And nothing will ever separate us from you and your love and your mercy and your kindness. Lord, would you make yourself known in this house today and would you help all of us to have the predetermined, premeditated decision? We are gonna praise you no matter what. For you are God and we are yours. And no matter what else might not be as it should be or as it ought to be, as I would like it to be, as I would hope it to be, nothing is going to separate me from you and you from us. So on that basis, on that truth alone, I am entering into this day, I am entering into the valley of the shadow of death to bless your name, to be thankful no matter what. We ask this in Jesus' name.